there. Welcome to the Waves Podcast. Our services are held on the first Friday of every month at New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas. We hope today's message grows you, challenges you, and inspires you to be all that God has called you to be. Enjoy. One, two, one, two, one, two. What's up, party people in the house? <laughs> Just getting a scope for the, for the land right now. See what we're dealing with. It's pretty comfortable in this place right now. It's very dark. You got some nice little cozy theater chairs. But you're awake, right? Right on, right on, right on. Well, uh, Luke sent me, uh, uh, <laughs> he just sent me an, an image, a photo. He texted it to me. He told me, good luck. I, w- I won't tell you what the image is because it needed a filter. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. It needed a filter. So tonight is about filters. Everybody say filters. So what's the first thing you think about when, when I say the word filters? Snapchat, Insta. That's a given, but just eliminate that right now. Let's just go ahead and exercise our mind. Just play a little game with me. Just bear with me. Give me some other filters. Coffee filters. If Lucas was here, there you go. He drinks coffee like I I do the old hand press thing. French press, whatever you want to call it. What else? Washing your mouth. Watching your mouth. Oh, watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like listen to that gangster rap. Jordy has a problem with that. It's all censored. You know, I think of like, you know, sometimes what I don't want to do tonight is just start naming out filters and, 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 and you know, social uh, Instagram, Snapchat and all that stuff and, and, and put a, a bad stigma on it because it's actually a good thing. But I want to talk to you guys about it tonight in, in relation to uh, how we live our lives and how we represent our lives to everybody else that's watching. What kind of filters that we, we put on in front of us, right? But there's all types of good filters. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, Nature has many filters. Think about it. Like, you guys have a filter on right now. You don't know about it, but you all have one. It's called your nose. You have these, this hair in your nose, right? A lot of you have, like, daddy long legs just chilling out of your nose. Some of you guys that are, are thinking about your nose right now, you're like, yeah, dog, what do we do, what do we do? Or you have that cauliflower sticking out of your ears, Right? Just that nasty Italian long (laughs) spider legs coming out of the ears. Why is that? Dude, just rip it out. Every time I see that, I want to just take a pair of snips or like pliers and just like, like how do you, what kind of perception problem do you have that you're not seeing this? The shrubs are coming out of your ears. Those are filters, y'all. God got to put in place filters for your life. But when it comes to social media, yo, there's apps, thousands of apps, all different kinds of filters. So I'm not going to, you know, have you erase your filters right now so nobody, nobody trip. But seriously, it's been getting, like, out of control. Like, I've been using, uh, uh, when I turned 16, I started working in, in, in graphic design. And I did it for about 15, 20 years. That's all I did was just sit down in, like, a dungeon of an office with no lights and just sit there and Photoshop people's faces all day long, all day long. So I learned a lot about touch-up. And I can just look at any magazine. I can look at photos, and I know right away it's touched up. It's Photoshopped 100%. But we've become so commonplace for us to just touch things up now that we all just sort of just step into it. Because why? Because we don't really like to look at ourselves. (laughs) Really, really what comes down to it. We don't like the flaws or the imperfections that we see because everybody else kind of sort of raises the bar superficially. So... 
What would you say, if you were to look at your phone, what do you use the most filters on? Just be honest right now. No, I mean, you're going to use it on your selfie. You're going to use it on yourself. Unless you're just like taking love and care on somebody else's face and just, you know, want to doctor them up. But I like to keep things interesting. So uh, I, I looked up, I did some research yesterday. This is 10 facts about selfies. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready, Pastor Brandon. 10 facts about selfies. Here's a little boring one just to kick it off. The first selfie recorded was in 1839. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is right. A uh, photographer by the name of Robert Cornelius in 1839. The process of clicking pictures at that time was as long as two and three minutes. So can you imagine just chilling there two and three minutes? Just, <laughs> just chilling there. I can't even sit there with my kids. If, if, I, if I take a group picture with people... My mouth does like this weird sort of crackly sound. So when it's silent, it's like SMR going on. Like when I'm smiling, you know, my kids always, Dad, what's with the SMR? But think about that. Like if somebody comes up to you and is like, hey, do you mind, you know, taking a photo of me, me and my girl right now? Basically nowadays that's saying, do you mind taking 40 different pictures from different angles until I see? And all the ladies said, Fact number two, the word selfie was actually invented by a drunk man in 2002. This is funny. Check this out. In Australia, September 13th, 2002, in an internet forum, there appeared the following post by Nathan Hope. Um, Drunk at a mate's 21st, I tripped over sick and landed lip first with front teeth coming a very close second on a set of steps. I had a hole about one centimeter long right through my bottom lip and sorry about the focus. It was a selfie. <laughs> That's where it started. Mr. Hope, however, denied coining the term, claiming it was common slang. Over the years, linguists have analyzed this phenomenon and pointed out that it's a typical feature of the Australian language, Katie, to shorten words and end them with IE, citing how barbecue and postman become Barbie and Posty, respectively, in local usages. Soon enough, there came mobile phones with front facing cameras and the world was never the same again. Hmm. 2002, a drunk Australian coined selfie. You didn't, you didn't think about that. You didn't know that, did you? Number three on the 10 facts about selfies. Selfies became the word of the year in 2003. They actually went into the Oxford English Dictionary, announced selfie as the word of the year in November, sometimes after it was first included in the online edition of the dictionary. Incredible. That actually rocked our society enough that we're taking pictures of ourselves enough that they're actually placing it legitimately in the dictionary. Fact number four, 93 million selfies are posted per day. Katie, that's one million of yours. (laughs) I'm just going to be calling people out tonight. Everyone's like checking their Instagram, like delete, delete, delete. (laughs) On an average, 93 million selfies are posted Every day, and that's 10 selfies are posted to Instagram every 10 seconds. That's one a second. So selfie, selfie, selfie. June 20, uh, fact number five, June 24th is actual national selfie day. So mark your calendars. It's actually a a ridiculously uh, self-created holiday, but it is a holiday nevertheless. Fact number six, listen to this, fellas. Women take 55.2% of all selfies. See, I knew it was you women. That's 45, what is that, 40, 44.8? 
But listen to this, ladies. Men who post selfies are more likely to be narcissistic or psychopathic. <laughs> so you got a slight advantage on this one. Slight advantage. Uh, in a lifetime, the average person will take over 25,000 selfies. I think that's actually low. Because you think about it, girls, I mean, you're probably taking like 1,000, be honest, you're probably taking like 1,000 a month. <laughs> that's, real, that's, that's real talk. Uh, fact number, number nine, millennials spend an average of one hour a week uploading selfies to social media. I think that's actually like upload time because I know they spend more time than that. And this is my favorite. Fact number 10 about selfies. Selfitis is considered a genuine psychological complex. Selfitis. First coined in 2014 as a joke, Selfitis is now being taken seriously by the American Psychiatric Association. This term was coined to describe the cultural habit of taking an overabundance of photos of oneself and reposting them on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and other social media sites. So, Selfitis. Ladies, just please bow your, your heads. We're going to pray. <laughs> Everyone is guilty tonight of selfitis. Raise your hand. You liars. Everybody here is, is struggling with selfitis. I, I, I like stuff like that. But, you know, there's, there's just our whole culture is built around image, isn't it? I mean, if you just be honest, you know, everybody wants followers on Instagram. You take selfies. I take selfies. We all take selfies. But... It's kind of the name of the game right now. If, you, if promotion and marketing, everything has to do with image, image, image. What's your brand? And when it comes to filtering, I, I just wanted to, to give you a little bit more stats. Uh, this is an article uh, in NBC News, and it's, it's by this girl named Jessica Wakeman. You can check it out on NBCNews.com. It's from last year. Uh, and just bear with me a sec. I'm going to read it, but really focus in on what I'm saying, because I know sometimes... If I'm reading a long time without a, a break, it's easy to space off. But this is actually really cool information that I just want to lay some groundwork. So earlier this year, the Royal Society for Public Health in the UK released hashtag status of mind, a report on the impact of social media usage on mental health. They surveyed 1,500 youngsters aged 14 to 24 and asked 14 questions about their mental well-being and usage of YouTube, Snapchat, Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter. Every single platform other than YouTube was associated with users' anxiety and depression. Yes. Instagram scored poorly related to body image and anxiety. Yeah. Totally. A 2014 survey, for, survey from University of Pittsburgh Center for Research on Media, Technology, and Health asked 1,787 young adults ages 19 to 32. Who's age 19 to 32? Raise your hand. This is you. They asked them about their mental health and found that using seven or more platforms was correlated with triple the risk of having anxiety or depression compared with those who used only one or two. If seven sounds like a lot, look at that list and ask yourself, how many accounts do I have? How many have more than two social media accounts? Raise your hand. You all are a bunch of liars. More than two, raise your hand. Who you, Instagram? How many have one? How many don't use social media? Raise your hand. So there's definitely people lying because nobody, 
1.5, you didn't go between one and two. Look. <laughs> Again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not smashing social media. I'm just giving you facts tonight for what, what we're going to go into. So listen to this. With the rise of filters, the selfies to which people are comparing themselves are increasingly not a reflection of anyone's lived reality. Hello. The fact that there's so little transparency about the manipulation that has gone on into what they are fixating on is enormously troubling. Not only do a small army of self-help apps exist to airbrush away acne and whiten teeth before photos are uploaded, uploaded to social media, the two most prevalent image-centric apps developed and continue to refine their own capabilities. They just keep getting like more and more crazy. Like the, I don't know what that app's called, but the one that actually makes your eyes bigger and your lips bigger, some be using it like, what the heck, you look deformed. <laughs> like, do you not know that that looks totally weird? They're like defined things, right? Like back in the day, you couldn't, you couldn't, it took me like hours to do that on, on, on a Macintosh in, in, in Photoshop. Now it's like apps are just, just tripping out. It says, while arguably the point for some posters and viewers is a kind of competition for who has access to luxury goods, trips, clothes or meals, the filters made available to users and invisible to viewers are created are creating an even less realistic portrait of what other people and their lives look like to the detriment of some. Listen to this. After its most recent study, the Royal Society suggested a way to preempt the negative feelings spurred by social media by asking apps to create a way to signify when an image has, has been manipulated in some way. You always suspected your friend airbrushed out her large pores, but now you know. <laughs> We're going to be busted. Think of it as a built-in form of media literacy education, evocative of a French law that went into an effect in October 2017 in which all retouched images used in commercial advertising must come with a warning, edited photograph, or else fines are imposed. Leave it to the French. I mean, can you imagine that? That like, how many, how many people here just like say that they'd be down for that? Yes. Two people. <laughs> it's like, stop talking about filters. I need my filters. Uh, it says, quote, we're not asking these platforms to ban Photoshop or filters, but rather to let people know when images have been altered so that the user, users don't take the images on face value as real. The reports told CNN. It's a suggestion that the Royal Society says 68% of young people support it. That's pretty awesome. I don't mind it. I mean, we all know that it's a filter anyway. But if, if my little girl is going to be looking at a filter of a supermodel that's on the front of a magazine or on, on Insta or something like that, and it's, she thinks I'm not like that because I have, you know, a, a few pimples or whatever. And if that's going to cause her depression, anxiety of how to live up, and she goes to school and her friends are like that, that's just on an elementary level. But us, psychologically, on our level, think about it day to day to day. How many, I'm on my device all the time, and I'm flipping, 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 flipping. I think subconsciously I'm kind of under the load of this image standard that society has put on us, that we're all basically, whether you like it or not, we're all a part of. So manipulating... Uh, our own images has become such a part of our lives that there's no going back now. 
Even if Snapchat or Instagram removes its filters, other apps would simply take their place. The best way we can hope for, for is for apps to be more transparent about manipulation of the images they're helping to disseminate for the health and perhaps ultimately the safety of their own users. So I thought that was pretty cool about, about filters. It was an eye-opener for me. But I want to, uh, tonight, I want to I ask you a couple questions. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is a, a, a portion of Scripture that I've been really studying for the last several months. And I've applied it in many different ways in my own life and to my team back there. And by the way, I just want to say, first off, before we go any further, I want to give a couple props to some people. Um, I don't know if he's here, but I, I wanted to give props to P for, he's been really just his, I don't know about y'all, but his drumming has become like super, super dope. And he's, he's, he's nowhere to be found, so he can't take the credit. But I just wanted to elevate him, and, and, and I'm so proud of him for doing that. And I'm also, he's not here. I'm, I'm giving props to everybody, and the guys aren't here. But Pastor Wanderson, um, since Luke has been gone uh, and, and out for about a year, a lot of people have come into this church on staff and stepped up. Pastor Wanderson's been a huge asset to us. I don't know about you, but it seems like there's a lot of life in the church. There's life groups. There's things going on just all the time with missions and outreaches, and there's a lot of heart. That's because you have a big heart with him and his wife, Pastor Wanderson. I wanted to give props up for him. And uh, there was somebody else I wanted to say. I'll think of it here in a second. The light turned green. I don't know. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Speaking of green. Cameron, who runs our lights in the back. Cameron, thanks, dude, for, for stepping this up and making it look so glorious. That's awesome. And uh, he razzles and dazzles us now. And, and thanks for making uh, uh, new beginnings and waves tighter. So I just want to give a little love there. Um, it, all, it all adds in. It's, it's the team. Teamwork makes the dream work. It really does. It really does. So I want to talk about how do we talk about ourselves? How do we talk about ourselves and how do we represent ourselves and our walk with Christ to others? And the second question is, where does our power come from? Where does our influence truly come from? These are uh, questions that we have to know. Like, how are we going to represent our walk with Christ? Who are we actually going to boast in? How, how do we how, how do we have confidence and, and display him, but not do it to where it's so braggadocious, if that's a word, right? There's nothing more distasteful than a preacher who's just ripping off a bunch of one-liners and walking around, giving everybody, and he's kind of walking around in pride. And it's just, I don't know about you, but I just, that's just tasteful to me. Yeah. I like pe preachers, I like people, teachers who are humble, that represent Christ, that have a lot of love, and they speak truth. Yeah. I'd way rather have truth than I would have just a bunch of uh, a hype. Yeah. So those are the questions we have to ask ourselves. But let's go ahead and uh, let's read it here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And actually, before I read, I want to just lay a little foundation of what we're reading because Paul established a church in Corinth. And all through 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, you can kind of parallel it and follow it in Acts. But he's, he's leaving, he's planting other churches, Ephesus, and he's writing back to the church at Corinth. And he's kind of going back and forth. And this is kind of like, I think, around the third time where he's, he's 
basically writing a letter back to a really well-established church that he built on his, on his back with all these people. And there's kind of like a little bit of an uprising and some turmoil that's happening with his church, with these so-called super apostles. So somebody has come in, uh, uh, some more people like him, some Jewish believers have come in and basically uh, are boasting in, in, in their walk with the Lord in their revelations. And Paul has to write back and, and say, I, I'm sensing you guys are prideful. What happened to the simplicity of Christ? What happened to the things that I taught you? You're falling away from that. So he's kind of defending himself. And at the same time, he's just trying to take back in the people that he loves and, and take care of his sheep, okay? So we're going to pick it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to kind of bounce back to chapter 11 here in a second. But he talks about boasting. So the theme is boasting. Everybody say boasting. Everybody say braggadocious. <laughs> Verse 1, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Somebody say weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or what I say. To keep me from being conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Father, I just pray tonight, Lord, the short time we have. God, I thank you that you open up our hearts and, Lord, your word speaks volumes of truth to us, Lord. And sometimes we can just skim it and, and not get it. But, Lord, I pray that we have eyes to see and ears to hear tonight what you're trying to say. Father, I thank you for such a time as this, Lord, that you would uh, just plant your word deep in our heart. And if there's anything, Lord, that uh, is, is filtering out, Lord, what your word and its potency can do in our spirit, Lord, we just remove that. And we just ask you, Lord, to fill us tonight in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. All right, so I'm going to give you five steps to how to represent an, a, your walk with Christ. Are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. Step one, put it on a leash. <laughs> put it on a leash. Katie's walking around with Cooper around here. She said Cooper was going to come up and translate for me. But Cooper, I see he's around on a leash. What do I mean by putting it on a leash? Paul puts it on a leash. What does he put on a leash? His boasting. He refrains. That's what it says in verse number six, right? 
He says, but I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or what I say. Paul's not a name dropper. He's not just dropping names for the sake of just, you know, floating his own boat. He doesn't start much sentences with I. And the thing about it is Paul's boasting would actually be truth-telling. It would be truth-telling. He's, he, he says it. He's, he's like, look, if I wanted to, basically, I could drop revelation. I've, I, I've really got something to boast into if I want to. But what does he talk, what does he talk about boast? He, call, he calls it it's foolishness. Foolishness. Literally, that's what he's referring it to. So Paul's boasting would be truth-telling, but truth is not reason enough to speak of ourselves. Truth is not reason enough to speak of yourself. Why? Because we're trying to get people to see Jesus. You don't want them to see you. You might kill them. <laughs> You're liable to kill them. <laughs> we can state the truth of ourselves in ways that give inflated impressions. And, and we've all done it, right? Uh, we never want people to think more highly of us uh, than what our truth and humility require. You know, Paul, Paul says it like this. I can't remember what book it's in, but he says, I didn't come with, to you with eloquence of words, but I came, with you, I came to you with, with, with meekness and the demonstration of Christ's power. Yeah. Right? Sometimes as Christians, we think we got to really just have this dignified sort of like strange way of being a, a Christian. When in all actuality, guys, we got to kind of get beyond the churchiness yeah. of the way that we deliver the gospel. Yes. Because that works, but it only works for us within our own little bubble of like culture that we've created. <laughs> you go outside and you, and if I get up here and we're like, bless God, I tell you, know, and, and I just sound like I'm not Brandon. Right. I mean, that's just kind of, that's just kind of weird. <laughs> so, so God, it requires us what? It requires us that we put a leash on it. It requires restraint. I could say a lot of things. I could say, iron sharpens iron. <laughs> no, I couldn't. I used to maybe when I was younger. Now I'm just all skin and bones. Jeffy's like, no, 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 you don't. Jeffy be flexing his pecs. Blah, 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 blah. Right? But you got to put a leash on it. You got to put a leash on it. Somebody say, put a leash on it. Number two. Keep it real. Yes. Keep it real. Our lives should be verifiable. Yeah. Right? Yes. We can't inflate some big stories. Because guess what? If you keep doing that, the next time you've got to come with a bigger story. And the next time you've got to come with a bigger story. Pretty soon, truth be told, you're, you're going to find out that you're nothing but a sucker. And people are going to be like, what? And you're going to look like a fool. That's why Paul says boasting is foolishness. So that's how we become, uh, avoid becoming a show is we keep it real. Yeah. Now, notice Paul, he doesn't inflate his stories or check this out. He doesn't even tell the most fantastic aspects of real stories in order to move people. He doesn't really even go into the real things in order just to move people's emotions. He's just straight up real. Love this dude. Let's go, let's go back to it. I'm going to go to verse uh, chapter 11, verse six, 16. Or let's actually go chapter 11, verse uh, 21. 
What anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. He's talking about these super apostles. He's like, look, you've led me to this. Now I got to just own up. It's time to roast you all. This is the truth. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? Am I out of my mind to talk like this? I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger and in rivers, in dangers from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled. I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. He just, he just let him have it. It's like, oh, yeah, you, just, you just, uh, prove it. <laughs> right? He just, he just let him have it. So he, he, he can. He can give it. He knows it. But yet he still puts a leash on it. Yes, he keeps it real. He pulls it back. He harnesses it. Why? Why does he talk about weakness? Think about this. How do you feel about weakness? Ask yourself that question. Are, are you okay? Are you okay with weakness? Because sometimes we think weaknesses, we just kind of, we don't like to show that. We don't like to show our imperfections physically. That's why we use filters, let alone in our spirit. But what does God say about weaknesses? So what do, you, what do you think about being weak? Does God have a purpose for weakness? Should we embrace our weaknesses? Well, let's look back at what Paul says. He says, To keep me from being conceited because of surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, some preachers will say that that is his basically condemnation for persecuting the Jews, and he just couldn't shake it. He was just... You know, living in guilt and shame, obviously so, from stoning people and harassing innocent people. So maybe, maybe he did carry that. Maybe that was something that he was like, God, give me, take this from me. But, or maybe it was literally something in his flesh. Maybe it was a sickness. I don't know. Maybe, who knows what it was. But the fact is, is that he was pleading with God. He was invoking God. God, I'm here to speak to you. I, I want you to come to my side. Please take this thing from me. There's this this weakness and this thorn I can't live with, I can't do it anymore. And God says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So there's a purpose. What was the purpose of Paul? To keep him from, from being conceited about these crazy revelations he had. God has a way. So 
So strength is made perfect in, in weakness. You really have to believe that. Not just, okay, Paul believed that, but you have to really believe that for yourself. Strength, everybody say strength, strength. is made perfect, made perfect in weakness. What areas of weakness, weaknesses, are in your life right now? Be honest. Because sometimes when we come to church, we just put on the, hey, how you doing? That's like one of the, in the United States, we just, we just throw that word out there all day. How you doing? Great. How you doing? Great. And we just move on. How things go in your life? We really stop and, and talk to somebody. You're like, what's really going on with you, man? How are you really feeling? Is there anything? I guarantee you when you get into heart-to-heart, girls with, with girls probably more so, they open up and they begin to talk about things that are real issues, real weaknesses, maybe the way that you feel about yourself. You know? Maybe the way that you, you feel uh, about how you measure up to other people. You know? All different kinds of stuff. But it's a weakness that we kind of harbor and we don't, we, we put this filter across it that says, I'm great, man, I'm doing awesome. And that's not the filter that Paul says we should live by right here. So number three, you got to embrace your weakness. I know it sounds strange, but you got to learn this thing. Because what happens is we end up feeling fine. We go through something, we get saved, God delivers us, and we come out of it and we're just like, we're fine. We're, we're floating on our own strength. But in Ephesians, Paul says it's grace We have been saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and we get into works. Am I going to church enough? Am I praying enough? Am I listening to soaking in an hour of worship every day? Am I doing this? Am I doing this? Am I doing this? When really it's the weakness that Christ gave himself to, to give to us that we freely receive that grace. We freely, how? By faith. Does that mean that we should just continue to sin? No, that grace may abound. Of course not. Go read Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. My favorite chapter is probably in all the Bible. It'll explain that. But there's a liberty that you have when you have a right heart to God that says, God, help me in my weakness. And he says, that's where I'm at is in your weakness. I don't know about you, but I know and I believe that God, at least in my life, God is always there the most when I feel him in my uncertainties. That's where he lives. He lives in my uncertainties. And a lot of times when I feel like everything's fine, I feel kind of just, I don't, I don't feel the oil. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't feel like near to him as much as I do when I'm struggling. That's why Paul said, he says in verse 10, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. He delights in it. Why? In insults and hardships and persecutions for when I am weak, then I'm strong. You're literally sitting under the power of God. You're resting in it, right? And that puts me on to number four in five ways to represent your walk with Christ. Number four is rest in grace. You got to learn to rest in it. Listen, not, not every pain that you experience in your life is punishment. Not every pain is punishment. I had to learn that. I used to think like, no way, you know, somebody would tell me that when I was younger. Get behind me, Satan, you know. I'm just Don't tell that in my life. Don't speak that over me. Well, guess what? Life's going to speak it to you because we live in a broken world. And we live in a place that, that we're going to question, God, where are you? 
What the heck? All the great men faced that. Jesus faced that. Father, where, have, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? You think that we're, we're, we're uh, uh, we get a pass on that? No, because it's part of the process of him coming in and perfecting us and, and loving us. Yeah. So every pain is not punishment. Sometimes it's protection. Sometimes the things that we're asking for, like Paul's asking, three times, take this from me. He's like, no, sufficient. <laughs> we don't like that sometimes. We don't like to, to we want to know in our way, okay, this is handled. But sometimes it's protection. He does it for us by giving less to us. Sometimes that's the way the Lord works. And sometimes his refusals keep us from deeper regrets. A lot of things that can can keep us uh, out of a mess. So that's where Christ is located if you learn to rest in it. That's why it says there still remains a a Sabbath rest. We're talking about Jesus. So be diligent to enter into that rest. That's what the scripture means. Number five, point to Christ. This is how you can represent yourself. Whatever you do, if it gives glory to God, if it's dope, point to Christ. If you find yourself in a situation where you're you're feeling down and and you're just going to be transparent, point to Christ. Because it's not going to be you that picks yourself up. Sometimes you got to pick yourself up. Sometimes you have to have your will and your strength to pick yourself up. But most of the time, if you just learn to rest and point to Christ, he will pick you up. Didn't Christ embrace our weaknesses by taking on our flesh? Think about it. He could have just been a spirit being and just saved us, but he decided to be flesh and blood. He decided to walk this earth as a man, to have the same temptations, to have the same uh, broken heart, to have the same uh, ideas of himself. He took upon that flesh. So he could taste what weakness was like. He gave himself even to the point of death. And it's in his weakness on the cross that he displayed his power. It's in the weakness on the cross that he let, he let him take his life. So why are we trying to macho up? Why are we trying to flesh up when we're supposed to take on the nature of Christ? I'm speaking some truth, y'all. I know I'm not preaching, but I'm speaking truth that I hope hits a soft part of your heart. This is why I want to preach this tonight in a simple way. is because it's that weakness. That's where God's power is to save sinners. That's where his power is to save sinners. Why? I, for the last 10 years... I'm not ashamed to say it. I've struggled for the past 10 years with obsessive compulsive disorder. I never thought that I would face it. A lot of you know my testimony. And because I'm a laid back person, it doesn't seem like that. But I've learned over the years, over a decade, more than a decade, of how much of a physical ailment it is. It's literally something physically that happens to me. A lot of times I don't like taking medication because I just feel like, Lord, why aren't you? I don't need it anymore. A lot of times I'll just, you know, get on it for a long time, step off of it, and I find myself right back to it. I go to see my doctor, and my doctor's like, and what lesson did we learn this time? <laughs> Not to stop taking my medicine, doctor. 
I'm a preacher. I'm a singer. I write songs. I love the Lord. I've been touched by him and filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? We have a problem struggling with our own humanity. We really do. We struggle with our own humanity. I, 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 I've learned through that process of falling and getting back up and falling and getting back up. That I just learned, wow, God, you just love me in spite of all my weaknesses. You're for me no matter what. And I find a strength in the very thing that I thought was my weakness. So that's the very thing that sinners need to hear. Sinners don't need to hear your perfect Christian stuff. They don't need to hear exactly all the show and all the thing. And, and, and they don't need to see only your good things. You need to show a filter of who you really are. Who you really are should match who you really are. Right? Because why? If I get up there and say, and people ask me, hey, hey Pastor Brandon, that was a great message. You still take, do you still take medicine? And there's been times where I can say, Nah, I don't take that anymore. But there's times I say, yeah, I take it. And I thought over the years, God, why do you keep me in a position where it's like back and forth, back and forth? And he spoke to me. He says, because if they look at you up there and they say, well, you, you're stronger than I am. You're, uh, you're a runner. You have more endurance. You have more willpower. I can never do that. I'm not like you. There's no hope for me. But God has a way, just like he does of Paul, of keeping you in check, keeping you at a position where you're never, you always in necessity of the Lord. Yeah. And that's the place that I don't want to leave. Yeah. And, I, I, and, and I'm going to put this mindset on for the future. Because I've known in my life that I've seen things that I'm like, man, that doesn't mix with my faith. Right. Now, I've lost loved ones. I've, I've been through hardships, just like Paul says. But I know that he's always with me even more so right down to the core of my situation in my weakness. Because that's where his strength is made perfect. So I'm going to delight in that when it comes. All things work together for the good who love God and are called according to his purpose. So what weaknesses do you have tonight? What filters have you put over your heart? You know, when we take it, when we take our pictures, we're just seeing, and I, 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 I'm the worst at it. I'm like, no, 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 ah, screw it. <laughs> you got to put content out for songwriting. Uh, I got to fix the wrinkles and the hairline on my face. Okay, that's what I need to do. But we look at ourselves, and that's just a way of don't fall into the trap of feeling like you have to be this braggadocious perfectly person. That's, that's where you're going to have anxiety. That's where you're going to fall. You're always going to fall short. It's like saying you're going to, uh, you know, go to the gym and, and you're going to be, look better than this person. Well, you're never going to look better than the person above them, unless you're Pastor Jordy. He looks amazing. <laughs> right? But there's got to be a healthy balance that just like Paul saw the church and said, yo, you guys are going outside the circle. Come back in. Remember, it's Christ who saves you. Remember, where do we get our power from? Our power doesn't come from this flesh because this flesh is going to bring you down. Right? Literally. Gravity is working against me. <laughs> Wants to bring me down. You'll get that as you get a bit older. But the thing is, 
That power has to be in a place where you learn to what? You just learn to receive it. I'm going to receive his grace. I'm going to receive his strength in my weakness. But how does he do that? What does that look like, Pastor Brandon? It looks like such a love, such a beautiful love that he pours into your heart that you can't explain it. All you know is you feel accepted. You feel loved. There's nothing that you can do to make him throw, push you away. He sees it all. He sees every aspect of you already. So take the filter off. Let him come in and work on you and let the world see you transparently, authentically for who you really are. And then they're going to be able to say, wow, that's just like me. But yet he feels love in his heart. But yet he's got loved ones around him. But yet he, he believes that God is for him, not against him. There's a lot of people that, that choose to accept their identity, whether they're struggling with whatever the case is, their sexual orientation, their family situation, uh, whatever, whatever it is. They struggle with it because it's a real issue. It's a real something that they genuinely struggle with. If you walk through this life long enough, you'll realize and you start to share some of these hardships, you'll, you'll have more empathy for people and you'll have more, more compassion for people. And it doesn't mean that you agree with everything they say, but you understand that, wow, they're flesh and blood just like me. Me, it's my brain. With you, it's, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that's something that God will use. But if we just let ourselves go under this kind of run through the motions and this filters and filters and filters, whether it be physically or filters of how we, who we truly are, we're going to miss what God can truly do through us. And that's representations of his power working through our weaknesses for his glory. Amen? Amen. Man, that, that, that's it. I, I, I wanted to share that. And so that's really what, what repentance is. Repentance is just the admission of weakness. Nobody's perfect. You know? I mean, nobody, unless you're my wife, she's perfect. No. Nobody's, nobody's, nobody's perfect. But when you begin to confess and you agree with God that, uh, that your sin has made you weak, then you, that's where you truly begin to experience a resurrection power. I've been laid hands on so many times by preachers and power and hype and ah. Uh, but you know the sweetest, most delivering power that I've had is by myself in my room when I'm weak and I've given up and I've lost all hope because that's when Jesus comes. He can have total access to you because he gets all the glory and it's nothing to do with, it, it goes past borders, it goes past different sects of religion that goes past all that stuff and Christ just comes and says smash here I am my ridiculous love for you boom here you go it's us having the issue of receiving it so let's pray tonight let's pray bow your heads with me would you father I just thank you tonight lord lord I know it's hard to embrace weakness I know it's hard to remove filters and look at ourselves for who we truly are. But God, I, I just pray that you take off the lie that the enemy has put in front of us that says we have to measure up to this particular image, these false realities and, and, and living in comparison to things that really aren't true. 
God, we lay that aside because the real truth is we're created in your image, Father. We're created for a great purpose. And Father, we thank you that we can just at any time call upon your name and you don't look at us. You don't look at us and say, oh, I can't accept you because you're too weak. Oh, I can't accept you because that's just too messy. Lord, you already know us and you walk with us daily because your spirit lives within us and you formed us and knew us before this world was ever created. You think of us and you thought of us, Lord, all along. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're going to put in our hearts, Lord, the ability, Lord, to represent who you really are and that by removing these filters, God, we can do and say and, and match as closely as possible to who we really, really are. And it's your work that comes through, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that, that you've given us the ability, Lord, to talk about ourselves and represent ourselves just as you want us to do, God. And Lord, that our awareness, Lord, it's not just comes from self-awareness. It doesn't just come from, from knowing who we are, but it comes from a place of our identity of knowing who we are in you. We get our identity totally in you, Jesus. So Father, we love you tonight. Lord, I thank you that you open up every heart, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that there just be a liberty, Lord. Your word says, God, that is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free, Lord. We're to walk in freedom, God. That means freedom from any sort of turmoil in our mind, any sort of comparison, any sort of doubting of, of the creation that you've given us, Lord, the body that you created us to have, Lord, the heart that you created us to have, Lord, the ideas that you've had, the, the family that you've given us, Lord, the purposes, God, the very breath that we breathe every morning, the, the day-to-day purpose that we have to walk out, God, all that is given by you. And Lord, we don't, we, we cherish that. We cherish everything. Just like we were singing, Lord, tonight about how grateful and how thankful we are, Lord. We break that shell of that lie, that facade that the enemy tries, that masquerade that he puts over us. And we just walk into the fulfillment and the freedom that we have, Lord, in you. God, we thank you for it tonight. Lord, I pray that if there's any, 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 uh, hurt in anybody's heart from things that that have been done in the past and maybe they just things have been said to them words have been said to them that left scars or or events that have happened with family members and friends lord that have left them feeling just uh, less adequate lord and just feeling like they don't want it they don't deserve anything lord reach into that scarred place and pull out the beauty lord and restore just and not even uh, back to its original state, but restore something so precious that the whole world will see it and give glory to you, Father. I thank you for it tonight. We love you. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. Please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Also, we'd love if you'd follow us on social media at NB Waves. Thanks again for listening to the Waves podcast. Have a great day.